So praise God. Today we want to um, continue our sermon series, series um, Character Under Construction. How many of you have been getting some things out of this, these lessons here? I know for myself, I've, I've been challenged with my, with, uh, uh, my character and development of my character. Um, and so today, we want to look at a particular uh, character in the Bible, um, um, and by the name of Samson. So from this point on, we're going to call him, we're not going to call him Samson, but we're going to call him Sam. Okay, okay. We're going to call him Sam All on right. today. All right. So um, for this, uh, and you can find me in Judges, okay. the um, 13th chapter, this gives a story of Samson. And, and one particular thing, I, I, I don't want you to think of Samson in a negative light because a lot of times we look at him in a negative light. But how many of you know that Samson was one of the heroes of faith that was found in, in Hebrews 11 chapter? Um, and to be exact, it's Hebrews 11 and 32. He's mentioned among the great men of faith. So all that Samson did, yet God still honored him and still God saw him as one of the heroes of faith that was able to do some things for him. Um, so let's look at Judges, the 13th chapter, starting at the third verse. And it says, an, uh, an angel of the Lord, and the, the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive a son. Let me read that again. 11 and 30, uh, uh, excuse me, 13 and 3 says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren. Barren. The lady, the, the woman was barren. And when we look at the word barren, what do you think about? You think of barren as having nothing, being nothing, dry. But yet God saw fit. He says, indeed, you're barren now. You may be barren right now, not producing anything. Doesn't seem like anything that you're dealing with or anything that you're doing is producing any fruit. But when God gets a hold of you and gets a hold of that thing, then you will begin to bear. And so it says, indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. And so we're, we're looking at this, this, this man named Sam. And so let's look at, um, let's look at uh, 13 and 5. Let's, we're we're, we're going to deal with some of the things that governed or that should have governed Sam's life. And it says, before behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon you. This woman was barren, and now God saw fit to give her a son, and said, No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. Now, let me just give you a little backdrop of the Philistines. The Philistines were actually the enemies of the people of God. And, and, and when you read it, they actually had taken the, the Ark of the Covenant. And so at this particular point, we find, in this particular point of, of, of these scriptures, we find that the, the Philistines are, are um, uh, working against 
the people of God. And so God says, look, I'm going to cause this person who is barren, I'm going to cause you are barren to, to uh, bear a son. And he's a Nazarite. Let's look at what Nazarite means. Nazarite means to be devoted or consecrated. It's a person who took a vow, who did what? Took a vow. Took a vow of consecration to the Lord. So in other words, they vowed God that I'm going to do certain things. We have vowed, Lord, when we, when we have accepted you as our Lord and Savior, we vowed that we're going to live for you. We have vowed that we are going to accept your word, what your word says. We vow, God, that we are going to follow your voice. And so this woman, a Nazarite, literally means to be consecrated. And let's look at some of the principles that were supposed to guide Samson's life. And these are key. The vow was, was to abstain from wine or strong drink. Wine or strong drink. It says to refrain from cutting the hair. These were principles and, and, and standards that, that Sam was supposed to have lived by. And then next when it says to refuse to go near a dead body for a specified period of time or lifetime. Now all of this is going to make sense to you, you once we get deeper into this story. So let's look at uh, Judges 13 and uh, 7. Um, and I'm going to focus on the later. And it says, and she said to me, behold, you shall conceive and bear the son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. For the child shall be a Nazarite, so he shall be holy. He shall be dedicated unto God until when? Until tomorrow? Until death. Until death. So we're to live safe until we leave out of these buildings? We're to live holy and dedicated until... No one else is watching us. We are to live a life of God until when? Until death. Until death. It's not optional. Right. It's not optional. When we say, Lord, I believe you, Lord, I'm living for you. You don't live for him today and decide tomorrow I throw my hands up when situations come and I'm done with you, God. I can't check out of my marriage when I decide to. Because I don't like what's going on. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm gone. I packed my bags. And, no. So we are to live. I am to be dedicated to this man of God. Until death do we part. That's about we took at the altar. That's right. Because at the particular time, I said, I love you. I love you, sweetie. Until death do us part. Amen. For better or for what? So when times get worse, you got to still say, God, I love you. God, I'm willing to hang in here yes, with you. Yes, amen. Praise God. And so let's, let's get all the way over to Judges 16. So now I wanted to kind of lay the foundation of the life that, that um, Samson was supposed to live. Thank you. You going to keep holding it for me? <laughs> <laughs> right here on this table. <laughs> into Samson's life. And it is by the name of Delilah. And the name of Delilah, um, she literally meant uh, um, deceiver. 
She was a deceiver. Her name meant deceiver. And so she enters into Samson's life with her seducing and deception. Come on, y'all. Seduction and deception she now enters in. Now here it was, this man of God who is consecrated unto God, now he, ha he finds himself joined with someone who is a deceiver. And how many times that we are consecrated unto God, but somebody enters into to our life through deception? How many times that we say, God, I'm on fire for you, I'm going to live for you, but all of a sudden, someone enters into our lives and begins to deceive us and lie to us, and we begin to believe the lie. We begin to believe and accept the lie. And when we accept the lie, that means that we forget the truth that we know. Not only do they begin to deceive us, but they begin to say, you know what, it's okay. They seduce us. They find our weak points. They know what we like. They know how, they know how to make things sound the way we like it. And we're sitting there like a little crystal ball and like... We're just amazed at what is going on. Life can be like that sometimes. We can want a thing so bad. We can want something so bad that it literally lures us in and seduces us and makes us forget about the very truth that we know. And so Delilah's seduction and deception wore Samson down. She was a cunning woman. That's why I say women, I'm speaking to the women, nothing against the men. Y'all are powerful too, but women, we are powerful. <laughs> we are so powerful. Our words and how we, y'all know how it yeah. is. That, yeah. little, that little boy could do something and y'all be like, tough it up. <laughs> but the little girl could do something and give you those eyes and it'll make you melt. God has just given us that gifting and that, that ability and that, that anointing. And so what happened was, is that Delilah wore Samson down. Samson was all around. He was tearing up the place. God had anointed Samson with unusual strength. I said, God anointed Samson with unusual strength. And he was terrorizing the Philistines. And Delilah was a Philistine. Delilah was a Philistine, and I, I want to make sure that I'm correct on that. Let's look at Delilah. Uh, it says, afterwards it happened that he loved the woman in the valley of Sarek, whose name was Delilah, and the lords of the Philistines came up to her. That's verse of ch uh, chapter 16, verse 4 and 5. So she was a Philistine. The enemy. He had joined himself now to the enemy because of his own desires. Because of his own inabilities to keep his flesh up under subjection. Joined himself. And so Delilah wanted to know, you know what? Why, why are you so strong? Why are you so anointed? Why God is blessing you so much? And you allow this person to come in because they're envious and they want to know, how do you keep doing what you're doing? And so Delilah enters the scene. 
And he, she began to wear Samson down. So let's look at verse 16. And it says, and it came to pass when she pestered, when she wore him down daily, daily, with her words and pressed him. Daily, the enemy comes after us. Daily, he tries to wear us down. Daily, he's working on us, trying to get you to walk away. Trying to get you to give up. Saying that God ain't going to deliver you. The word ain't going to work for you. And so it said so. Yes, sir. I just want to interject something. And, and understand that when someone comes to you and she join, they join themselves together, husband and wife. It's one thing for someone to come after you to wonder, how is it you do what you do? To draw from you so that they can be like you. But then there's another thing when someone comes to be with you to pull you down. There is a difference. And, and you, we have to ask God. The Bible says if any man lack wisdom, let him ask God. And you have to know for the people that come in your life, what is their purpose in your life? And, and I mean, let's, let's keep it real. If, if your spouse is not where they need to be in Christ... You can't shake it off. You can't shake it off. You can't shake it off. The Bible tells us that the unbelieving husband sanctifies the wife and vice versa. But but for those people, our co-workers, you know, our neighbors and all of that, we have to ask God, Lord, what what is their purpose in my life? Because we don't want because we don't want to act prematurely. And that's good. You know, when he taught when he said that, I thought about the word leech, you know, how many of you got some leeches in your life? I'm going to raise my hand first. It's like they're there just sucking off of you and draining you dry. Pastor, you know, Pastor Robert said we have to really pray. Even when it comes to those whom we love, we got to know when to cut it off. We got to know when to, to, to shut it down. Because they'll drain you and you'll find yourself exhausted. Like, like uh, it said with Samson, he was so vexed. He was vexed to death. It was like he was wore out. He just, I mean, he couldn't. And there's times that people are so uh, 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 connected and we've given them so much space in our life that they're draining us. And we have to be able to know and discern, God, you know what? Okay, uh-uh. I, I, I need to exercise some tough love right now. Prime example, if you keep loaning someone money and loaning someone money and doing for them financially and you look at your bank account and it's zero. And it's like, but yet over here they still need it. And you're like, I got the poor. I see someone looking at me like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, it happens. And so sometimes you got to say the bank is closed. Amen. Amen. The bank, the bank on your emotions is closed. The bank on your, your, your putting out, the bank on your time is closed. Because they will siphon everything from you. And that's what Delilah did. Delilah wore Samson down so much. Wore him down. And so then it says, um, wore him down so much to the point that he got chatty. And he ended up confiding in the enemy. It was his wife, but it did not mean there are times that we get wore down so much that we give out too much information. That's right. And let's look at how Samson gave out too much information. 
let's look at verse, uh, it says 17. 17, now here it was, Samson had a principle that was to govern his life. And in, in, in verse 17, it says he, she was worn down so much. He was worn down so much. Sam was worn down so much. And he said, you know, she he said that he told her all his heart. Mm. All his heart. You can't divulge everything right. to some people. You can't mm. confide in some people. Sure. And it said, and he and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, mm. then my strength will leave mm. me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Delilah, he had let Delilah in too much. To where his very strength and his very anointing, he gave out the secret. If I give this up, I'll be like anybody else. When you connect yourself with the people that God is saying, I need for you to leave, they're going to drain you dry to the point that your anointing will diminish. <coughs> You will struggle in walking in the things of God. Let's look at, um, let's look at, uh, what's the next uh, scripture, Thomas? Or the, not the next scripture, but the next point. Did I have anything? Look, look, look at what happened. I put, I said you couldn't, you cannot divulge. Some things you just cannot divulge. Let's go to the next verse. In verse 19, it says, after she found out his secret, she got close enough, she was using him, got close enough, and then it says she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave wow. off the seven locks of his head. Wow. Then she began to torment him and his strength wow. left him. His strength. When I began to read this story, I felt sorry for Samson. Wow. A great powerful man of God and Samson or Sam was a judge. That's why he's listed in the book of Judges. He was a judge over the people of God. But yet he allowed himself to be lulled into a relationship that he should have never been in. He wanted it so bad. And then she, after he, she found out the secret of his success, the secret of his anointing, she lulled him to sleep. That's the way the enemy will do. He will wait for an opportune time and he will make you sleep. And, and it, it said that his strength left him. Sometimes we may feel like that God is still with us, with us, but the enemy has lulled us to sleep so much that sometimes we can't even hear the voice of God. We can't even receive the things of God. And so she began to torment him. Not only did she put him to sleep, but she tormented him. Let's go to the next verse. What's the next? And she said, she, and she said, the Philistines are upon you. Now she knew what the deal was. And so he awoke from his sleep. How many are sleeping in here on today? You're sleeping. You think that you're still awake and still alive, but you've been sleeping. And while you were sleeping, the enemy had a field day with you. And it said that Sam woke up from his sleep and said, I will go out before. Now here it is, this lady done set him up. And since I will go out as before, see, he was counting on the anointing and the blessing that God had upon his life. But now he had done moved into an area that God's, God's favor was no longer on him. 
God's favor was no longer with him because of the things that he had did. He, while he was sleeping, went to sleep and woke up and he said, you know what? He thought at business as usual. And when he woke up, he says, I'll go out as other times and shake myself free. <laughs> Enemies approaching, I'm going to shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. He didn't know that the anointing had left him. We will find ourselves at times, and I'll just use work as an example. You're at a moment of frustration, and you say something to someone, and, and I'll just loosely use the term confide, but you will talk to someone. It's like, you know something? I am so sick and tired of this person. They keep doing this to me over and over and over. I am so sick and tired of that person. And then you come to yourself and it's like, all right, okay, I'm over it. God forgive me, whatever. Then next thing you know, this person wants to come back to you and say, you know something? I'm so sick and tired of this person. And you're like, I don't want to hear that. But see, we divulge ourselves. And we, list, we have now told everyone, I'm a complainer. That I can talk to you. You're my friend. I can confide in you. And we've opened that door. But then when we want to say, oh, well, the Lord is leading me to say this to you, then you, we can't communicate to them about certain things. Because we've opened that door up that says, no, you're just like me. You complain. You were compl- A week ago, you were complaining about the same thing I was complaining. Don't try to get all holy roller on me. Because you and I are the same people. We have to be careful what we divulge to certain people. That's true. Amen. Um, we can't divulge too much. Okay, so let's look at um, where do I want to go from here. And then we're going to get into some, some points here. I said that she tormented him. And that's, I love Pastor Robert. He knows how to bring things home. I want to focus on the point of um, didn't know that the spirit had left him. It's, it's important that we stay anointed. We can't go and stay in the very presence of God. We can't even go off of last week's word. We have to go off of today's word. God is living. And so we got to know what God is saying now. Do you guys still wear, are you still the same, sh- I don't want to say, shoe size as you were when you were three years old? No. Can you go put the size three, your three-year-old shoes on? I'd like to see you try. <laughs> I, you know, I look at, I was looking at some pictures uh, of, of our, our wedding, and I looked at my wedding dress. I can't even get in my wedding dress, and that was 17 years ago. I can't go off of and say, you know what? I got to. You laugh. <laughs> no. Little <laughs> <laughs> gas. Little gas. <laughs> and, I, and, 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 and I can't let him expect for him to see me as if I was still the same as 17 years ago, still getting to know Thank one you. another. By now, after 17 right, years, right, right. we should know each other right. a little bit better. Right. And it's the same thing with our relationship with God. We have to get to know God on a daily basis. The Bible says be renewed, uh, 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 be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Present your life a living sacrifice daily unto God. Come to God daily. When's the last time you went to God? 
You, do you go to him when you want something? Do you only go to him when times are hard or, or you know, you've got to stay hungry for God. It's got to be a continuous interaction. And so he did not know that the Lord had left him. And then fast forwarding into Sam's life, the enemy in verse uh, 16 and 21, after he had seduced him, after, uh, after the enemy had seduced him, after the enemy had turned around and gotten too much information and Sam gave it out, then the enemy came and it said, the Philistines took him out and put out his eyes Whew. and brought him down to Gaza. And they bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. The enemy will try to blind you. Take out, let me see you try to walk around this room or walk outside with blindfolds on. Nothing. You and when, when, when your sight is gone, then you become at the mercy of someone else to lead you around. You come at the mercy of somebody else having to tell you what to do. And the enemy will try to blind us from the very things of God. And this is what happened to Philistine. He seduced him, took away his strength, and, and plucked out his eyes and then now made him a prisoner. And we find ourselves sometimes being a prisoner. And we have to be careful. And let's look at verse 20, uh, Judges 16 and 22. And we're going to see what happened to, 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 to Sam. Is 1622 in there, Thomas? Okay, it's not. And I'll read it to you. 16 and 22, um, it says, um, while he was down in the prison. Verse 22 says, however, the hair of his head began to grow again. And it had been shaped and after it had been shaven, though he was captured, though he was, he found himself in the very bottom of the pit, God still began to deal with him. At some particular point while he was in prison, I believe that Samson had a change of heart. Mm -hmm. I believe that Samson said, wait a minute, my character is not, is not measuring up to my name. Mm -hmm. And his hair began to grow again, and his hair was his what? Strength. His hair was his strength. And so while we're down there, we don't know that God is yet strengthening us. If we would just turn around and say, God, I need you. God, I, I want you to do things in my life. I messed up. I'm sorry, God. God will begin to strengthen us again. God will begin to anoint us again. And here we see that Samson's hair began to grow, which was his strength. And after that, once Samson's hair began to grow, um, it says that, and they, uh, uh, Samson, he says, look, he says, my hair began to grow. Where, what verse am I? Okay. Um, and then it says, verse 23, it says, now the Lord of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to uh, Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, oh, God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, our God is delivered. So here it is now, they're making Sam a spectacle. And so Sam is smart. He used some wisdom. He said, look, place me between these pillars here. Let me just fill them, because I need these pillars to lean up on. But Sam knew what he was getting ready to do. 
His, he knew that God had strengthened him again. And he grabbed the pillars while everyone was around there having, making a spectacle of him. And he bust the pillars down to where the Bible says that when, when it, not only did he sacrifice, uh, uh, not only did he kill the Philistines, but he also sacrificed his own life. And it said in this very moment, out of all the people that Sam had killed, this was the moment that he killed the most. He killed the most of the Philistines. He did a greater work for God after he returned to God and God had strengthened him. Amen. Amen. And God, I, I think of the term, failure doesn't have to be fatal. We may fail, but it doesn't mean that it has to be fatal. God can use you again. God can use us. God can anoint us. So let's get into some points. I want to I look at what Sam's character was. Sam had lost sight of his calling, had lost sight of what God wanted to do. Sam was controlled by sensuality. He was prideful and boastful. He, was, he complained to God. He used what God gave him unwisely. He was wasteful of what God had gave him. And I put a point down that says God, great strength in one area does not, doesn't make up for the great weaknesses that we have in other areas. Great strength in one area doesn't make up for great weaknesses in other areas. You can be strong in one area, but yet weak in this area. And it overshadows the greatness over here. That's good. You can preach the word of God. You can say God is wonderful. But yet walk out and live a whole nother life. Your character. Mm -hmm. And another thing is, is God's presence doesn't override our will. God has made us free moral agents. Right. We have a will. To do what we want to do. Even though I'm married to Pastor Robert. I still have. A choice. In whether to do or not to do. Mm -hmm. And so his presence. And his anointing is not going to override your will. Mm -hmm. So let's look at some examples. And applications. Of, of Sam's life. Compared to. Some other people's lives. Well you go first. Okay. Um, number one. Character is commitment to a set of values and principles without compromise. Character. What is character? Character is commitment to a set of values and principles without compromise. In Sam's life, the negative part of Sam was found in uh, Judges 14, 1 through 3. 14, 1 through 3 says... Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah and the daughters of the Philistines. He wasn't supposed to be. His, his values and his principles was that he was supposed to remain a Nazarite. And it says, so he went up and told his father and mother, I have seen a woman. Our eyes will get us in trouble every time. In Timnah, 
of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me as my wife. Listen to verse 3. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she pleases me well. He was willing, his sensuality, his desires caused him to compromise. Caused him to compromise his belief. So we have one of many accounts of eye candy in the Bible. <laughs> Never mind what was said of you, what was spoken of you, and we have to remember that it's the parents' responsibility to say, you were brought into the world for a purpose. And he did not see that purpose. He didn't understand. Mm-hmm. He wanted what he wanted. And mom and dad, you're going to get it for me. At all costs. At all costs. No matter what cost, he's willing to sacrifice it. So that was the example. Let's give you a practical application. Someone else in the Bible who stood the same test. In the book of Hebrews, 11th chapter, we know as... Um, the faith chapter. It says in Hebrews 11 chapter 20, or excuse me, chapter 11 verse 24, by faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Next. Choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures, the passing pleasures of sin esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt and he looked for he looked to the reward now here it is he is he's not with his biological mother he's not with his biological family he is now the son of Pharaoh's daughter but he knew that there was a calling on his life he decided I have to answer the call of God which is far greater than any passing pleasure because anybody in here who has ever sinned, if any of you all have ever sinned before, you know how good sin feels. If you didn't like it, you wouldn't do it. But Moses saw the greater picture. But Moses was in an environment for which he had no no choice in being in. A book that we're reading, our leaders are reading right now, and it's talking about your purpose. A seed cannot choose a soil that is in. But it is up to God. One plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. It is up to us to say, God, you have to pour into me. Wherever I was born, if I was born over here, you know, my, all of my parents, both of my parents and all of my brothers and sisters all went to college. I'm going to college too. I was born over here. Everybody in my family joined the military. I was born over here in Ethiopia, and we're fighting and looking for water. It is up to God regardless of where you were born, to look at where you're supposed to be. It's not about the soil. It's about the sower. It's not about the soil. It's about the sower. Our next point is character is dedication to a set of standards without wavering. Dedication to what? Without what? Wavering. Wavering. How many of you know what wavering means? Mm-hmm. You can't go back and forth. You're here today, 
and you're not there tomorrow. Oh, this is something that we talked about sensuality. We, we want to do this today, so we're not going to live by this standard, but when I wake up tomorrow morning, it's a new day, so I'm going to live by this standard today. Without wavering, without going back and forth. Judges 14, 5, and 9, it says, So Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother and came to the vineyards of Timnah. Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the line apart as one um, would have torn apart a young goat. Though he had nothing in his hand, but he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. He didn't tell his mother or father what he had done. The discipline was uh, dedication to a set of standards without wavering. And let's look at verse 7. And it says, um, it says, then he went down and talked with the woman. He went down and, um, then he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. Pleased Samson well. His standard was, was that he was not supposed to connect with the wrong person. But because of his own pleasures, pleased, he was pleased with this woman. He was so willing to lower his standards. He wasn't dedicated enough to stick with the standards that God had set for him. Now, as Samson did, because he desired to have a woman, he was willing to accept what pleased his eye rather than what pleased his heart, what pleased his spirit. Looking past the physical attraction, because, I mean, face it, we can find a whole lot of people that look good, but they ain't good for us. As the saying goes, you know, everything that glitters ain't gold. You know, and, I mean, sometimes you look at, you know, you can read an article and you'll see an uh, uh, athlete and then you look at their spouse and it's like, how, do, how are the two of y'all together? Y'all don't look nothing alike or whatever. You know, I remember seeing this one pro wrestler and, you know, his, his wife just looked like, you know, just like the woman next door. She didn't have all this glamour and everything. And we have to look at what God has in store for us and not, you know, I've got this amount of money and I got this kind of car. So I need this kind of person to be with me and let, let God do the choosing for us. That's right. Amen. So let's look at a man named Job. Y'all remember Job? Mm -hmm. Job chapter 1 verse 1. Job and his family. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. Now if you look at the King James Version it says he was a perfect man. And when it means perfect, he wasn't perfect in the sense of Jesus was perfect. He wasn't perfect in the sense of Adam was perfect before the fall. It just means that he loved God. He feared. He was blameless and upright. Whatever he did, he always put God first. As you read throughout the entire book of Job, he never, ever cursed God. Right. Even as bad as times were, he always believed and trust God. Even to the point in verse 5, I don't have it up there in verse 5, says that Job had, um, between one and five, it says that Job had seven sons and three daughters. But in verse five, it says that on their birthdays, they would have these great festivals with all of this drinking and, you know, just having a great time with the family. And Job afterwards 
would go before the Lord and pray that if any of his family would sin or curse God, that he would make atonement for him. Job had a standard, a dedication of standards without wavering. No matter what happened, and we knew what happened to Job, he lost everything. He lost everything. And for some of us, we lose our religion. We lose our faith and we get a scratch on our car. I mean, really, the power goes out. It's like, oh, my goodness, my favorite show was, you know, I was in the middle of a project and we just lose it over the smallest things. And, and as I've told many of you all that, you know, I got in an accident, you know, a woman sideswiped me. We pull over the side of the road. I'm looking at my phone. The next thing I know, she drove off. She got out, looked at the damage in her car and she drove off. And I really wanted to get upset, but I had to stop and say, well, Lord, what are you what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to teach me? If situations happen, it's not always that you did something wrong. Because the devil knows who you are and God knows who you are. Even with Job, when God came to Job, Satan was tagging along. And God's like, so what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm, I'm just out here for a walk. Oh, really? Well, I know what you're about. I know what you do. You came to steal, kill, and destroy. But have you considered my servant Job? So when those things happen in our lives and it seems like it's the end, I can't get my hair to do what I wanted to do. (laughs) But think about the person who's going through chemo and has no hair. (laughs) (laughs) And one point I wanted to bring out, I I, I, uh, didn't read far enough down in the scriptures with Samson. Samson had actually killed the lion and then uh, came back and, and noticed that some honey had been produced. And what he did was he scooped it out and he took some back to his parents and gave it to his parents. Now, one of the principles and the standards that he was not to do was he was not to go near a dead body for a specified period of time. Not only did Samson not be, uh, did not stay dedicated, he ended up bringing somebody else in with him. So when we don't dedicate, when we don't hold and stay true to the standards, there's somebody else that's watching us that can stumble and fall with us. And so we have to make sure that our character is so much That's intact right. that it's not going to cause somebody else to stumble. Amen. Because Amen. they're looking at us. They're watching us. Somebody else is watching you. Tell your neighbor, somebody's watching you. Somebody definitely is always watching you. And they're looking to see what you're going to do. And if you don't stay true to the standards and what God has placed within you, you're going to cause somebody else to stumble. Okay, so um, the next one is character is self-imposed discipline. Self-imposed discipline. Let's look at Sam. Let's look at his his life in verse um, verse uh, fifteen, seven, and eight. Fifteen, seven, and eight says Samson said to them, "Since you would do a thing like this, I will surely take revenge on you, and after that, I will cease." And it says, so he attacked them hip and thigh with a great, um, he attacked them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. Then he went down and dwelt in the cleft of the rock. 
In other words, what happened was Samson at this particular point was seeking revenge. Mm -hmm. He was seeking revenge. Although, and, and what they had did was they, they, they got a secret out of, out of, I believe it was his wife. And he did not have discipline enough to say, you know what, it's okay. I, I'm all right. I'm not going to seek revenge. I'm going to let the Lord handle this. Samson decided that he was going to handle and take matters into his own hands. He didn't have enough discipline to say, you know what, I'm not going to do this thing. Lord, I'm going to let you deal with it. We have to have self-imposed discipline. Self-imposed. It has to be discipline that we say we're not going to do this thing. I don't care what anybody else is doing. I don't care what you did to me. I'm not going to do this. And there are times when you have to do what you say you're going to do. In the Old Testament, under the law, when you spoke a thing and you said it, mm -hmm. you had to do it. Amen. You had to do it. Your word meant life and death. Your word meant everything. So how many of you have self-imposed disciplines, certain lines in your life that you absolutely refuse to cross? I don't care how bad the situation gets. You know, I remember um, years ago when I was in Kentucky, it was an elderly woman that I knew, and she was like, I don't care how you get me there, do not put me on the interstate. For whatever reason, you're not driving. But some people will not. It's like, I don't care how long it takes me to get there. I will not go on the interstate. I don't go on the interstate. You know, there's certain foods that you say, I just will not eat that. I just either I don't like it. I'm allergic to it. Whatever it is. I don't go out after dark. I don't do this. I don't go those places. There is a man in the Bible named Jephthah. And he's also named uh, in the hall of, um, in the book of uh, yeah, heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. A name that's not really familiar to some of you, but I'm sure many of you have heard this story. In Hebrews chapter 11, um, verses 30 and 31. I'm sorry, Judges chapter 11, verses 30 and 31. said, Jephthah made a vow unto the Lord. He said, if you will delete, delete, if you will indeed deliver the people of Ammon, into my hands, then I will whatever comes out of the front doors of my house to meet me. When I return in peace from the people of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's and I will offer it up as a burnt sacrifice. So back in that time, you probably had chickens and goats and cows and mooses and everything else living in your house. What in the world did you think was going to be the first thing that came out the front door of your house? It ended up being his daughter. His daughter was the first thing that came out of his house. But his word, his word. If you're taking notes, write down Psalms 138 verses 1 and 2. That God says that I esteem my word even yes. above my name. Yes. I esteem my word above my name. Are you going gonna to pick me up today? After I get off of work? Yeah. Promise? It's like, why you ask me do I promise? If I said I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I don't have to say I promise. If God doesn't say, you know, when, when we pray and we say in Jesus' name, amen, do we say, and Lord, 
Do we say, Lord, do you promise? He's already said it. He's already said it. I think I have verse um, 36 up here. Let me interject. A lot of us put out and say we're going to do such and such. How many of you really do exactly what you say you're going to do? <coughs> How many times have you, you know, said something and you did a whole other thing? Even to God. God, I, 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 you get me out of this. You deliver me up out of this. I promise you I'm going to serve you. God delivers you and you, you do opposite of what you said. So in 30, verse 36, his daughter finds out what his father said. So she said to him, Father, if you have given your word to the Lord, if you have given your word to the Lord, do to me according to what has gone out of your mouth, because the Lord has avenged you of your enemies. He, he knew that he had done the wrong thing. He tried to do the right thing. Remember I said in our zeal, we can go to people and start complaining to them and say things and then wish we had never opened our mouths. In his zeal, he's, he's like, Lord, if you just do this, Lord, if you just get me out of this situation, I'll go to church every day, knowing that church ain't open every day. <laughs> Lord, whatever you, I'll give you all of my paycheck, knowing you got rent to pay. We make these, we make these confessions unto God. His mercies are new every morning, and God forgives us. But understand that your words, when we speak things, that we're really, we have to mean what we're saying. We have to mean what he was saying. So his conviction was to honor God. And his daughter, because of the way he, ra he raised her, knew that he had to hold up his end of the bargain. So her only request was, give me a month to spend time with my friends and to go into the hills and weep. Because I shall never marry. And at the end of that time, she went back to her father, and he sacrificed his own daughter as a burnt. And, and understand, too, our words have power. And our words can set things into motion, or it can cause things to stop having life or existence. And we haphazardly and so carelessly put words out there. Instead of speaking that which you desire to see, speaking that which you desire to be produced in your life, you are speaking the negativity, like Pastor Robert said, the planting of seeds. Your word is a seed. And so when you plant it, it's going to produce what you say. That's just the law. It, you put it out there, and it's going to produce. Let's look at our last point as we close. Number four, it says character is leading with your life. Leading with your life. Um, Judges 15 and 11. Samson had did all these things, and so the people of God came to Samson. It says the three uh, 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock of Edom and said to Samson, Do you not know that the Philistines rule over us? What is this you have done? And he said to them, As they did to me, so I have done to them. No matter all of what Samson had did, the great things he had did, they saw the negative, his life. He sought revenge. And out of that revenge, that's what they saw. They said, what have you done to me? Our life speaks volumes to other people. 
Not necessarily what you say out of your mouth is what makes an impact on people, but it's the life that you live that will make an impact. Mm -hmm. You can say, I love you all day long, but if you ain't showing me no love, I, I question whether you love me or not. Amen. You can, you, know, you can say that I'm going to do X or I'll be there, I'll be there. But you can say tomorrow, I'm coming to work, I'm coming to work. But if your employer don't see you at work, your words meant nothing. Right. Amen. Amen. Got a project or whatever it needs to be. You can say all day long what you're going to do, but you got to put some words, to, you got to put some action to your words. And the last individual we're going to look at is the Apostle Paul. And in chapter 28 of the book of Acts, it says, when Paul, we know that there was a great shipwreck. And the Bible tells us that because they finally listened to Paul, that not a single soul was lost. And it says that as they landed on this island um, of Malta, that these people, they were not Greeks. But they were extremely friendly. For whatever reason, they were extremely to all of those who were on the ship. And so it got cold that night and Paul decided to build a fire. But when he had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper or a snake came out because of the heat and fastened onto his hand. Next verse. And so when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said one to another, no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he has escaped the sea, Yet justice does not allow him to live. So they have an impression that you're a murderer. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after, he looked, after they looked on him for a long time and so no harm had come to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. So, it's not that anyone would look at you and say that you're a God, but people will look at you and say a whole lot of other things, good or bad. But it's according to the life that you live. When they're saying, well, why didn't they fire you? They're looking. What you did, you should have gotten fired. What you did, you should have died. But when people watch you, and they see the consistency in your life. Yes. When you lead by your life, not as Pastor Wendy said, not always by what you say. But when they see you lead by your life, yes. then it makes them change their mind. Why didn't you die? Why didn't your husband leave you? Why didn't this happen? Why? How in the world did this happen? Because the greater one lives in you, not the one that's out in the world. So when we're talking about your character, your character is, is really summed up in this last one. It's about how you lead your life. How you lead your life. Um, a few weeks ago, we had a, uh, and I think I may have shared this during Bible study, had a meeting where all these executives came down and they fed us. It was after lunch, but they still fed us. And there was not enough room because I was sitting in the chair, not at a table. There wasn't enough room in that venue for me to eat. So a couple of us went upstairs, you know, just a few feet away. And we were sitting down ready to eat. And one of the managers came in and he said, what are y'all doing? He said, well, they're, um, 
it's, it's crowded down there and we don't have a place to sit. He's like, well, y'all need to get down there. And I tried to explain to him. He said, I don't care. He said, get down there right now. <laughs> Can I be honest with you what I did? I took my plate and threw it in the trash. Now, I was angry. Did I sin? Y'all tell me. <laughs> so I, t- I mean, I was angry because he belittled all of us, treated us like we were children. And so I made up in my mind when I get the opportunity and said, I'm going to let him know how I felt. And because he, he bounces between two different offices, I didn't see him for about three or four days. You know what I said to him the next time I saw him? Good morning, sir. How are you doing? How's everything going? It's like, let it go. Let it go. Some things, and, and I have a rule, that if I can't say anything to you, you know, within like a 24-hour period, then I need to let it go. Yeah. Then it's between me and, me and God. Lord, help me and show me. But I say all of that is we have to lead by our character. Mm-hmm. I had every right to go in him and at least say, you know, really your actions were uncalled for. But some things, not everything, some things we just have to, we have to let them go. Some things we have to speak, but we have to pray, Lord, lead my tongue. Yes. I mean, it's a simple conversation, but Lord, lead my tongue. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to see anything that's going to get me fired, <laughs> demoted, nor bring, dis- bring disgrace to your name. Because they'll, they'll may not say it to your face, but, hmm, you see, he goes to church. He's going around here preaching. See him, on see him on Facebook. All of those other things. What does our character say about who we really are? And, and I admit, in a fit of rage, I, I threw that barbecued pork and barbecued chicken and that cornbread and them lima beans. I threw it all in the trash. And we, and we sat there and, and we pouted. We sat there and we pouted. And the Lord had to deal with me.